Hello, everyone, and welcome to PB in Style. You are in the place to be to find clarity, consistency, and authenticity in the way you build your brand. On today's show, I have with me Miss Melanie Cunningham, and I met her a while back when I was at the New York Small Business Expo, and I'm so excited to chat with her today about law, intellectual property, and all sorts of things regarding the legalities of your business. So stay tuned. Welcome to PB and Style, the perfect podcast sandwich where host Andrea Patrick empowers, educates, and encourages you to find your inner influencer and personify their brand. She'll have you tapping into your authentic authority and engaging in a real way. Remember, leadership is a journey, not a destination. Enjoy today's dish. Melanie Cunningham's intellectual property and estate planning practice focuses on helping small business owners have a peace of mind about the operation of their business today and plan for their futures. Melanie returned to practice to private practice after more than a decade of working for global financial institutions because she had a passion and a knack for making legal principle, principles user-friendly for everyday people especially those like herself, without a family history of entrepreneurship. Who can relate to that, right? Uh, striking on her own, she did this. And her approach to helping entrepreneurs achieve this peace of mind involves establishing the foundation of their business, protecting their brand and assets, and safeguarding their legacy. She excels in making the law accessible, uncomplicated and stress-free for business and often overwhelmed small business owners. She's a graduate of Emory University School of Law in the Robert H. Smith School of Business at the University of Maryland at College Park. Welcome, 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 Miss Melanie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I was so excited to talk to you because um, as someone who creates courses or is working on creating courses and sort of operates in that space, that whole sales funnel space where you're trying to sell your intellectual property. Mm-hmm. It is, it's a difficult road to navigate. And I'm so excited to have you here. But before we get really deep into that, I want you in your own words to tell us a little bit about yourself and sort of how we wound up meeting at the Small Business Expo. I know. So, um, Let's see. I, you know, as you kind of went through my bio, um, had a kind of diverse uh, work experience. Um, mm-hmm. When I, you know, graduated, uh, I, you know, was in Atlanta and moved back home to New York, uh, you know, with my student loans and did what <laughs> a lot of law students do is, you know, try to just get any job and ended up at a big litigation firm. Uh, didn't really love it. You know, your client is a huge corporation. It just wasn't what I uh, imagined for myself, uh, what I thought I was going to law school for, um, which was to serve people in some kind of way. I mean, mm-hmm. I liked business, but this, you know, litigation piece really didn't enjoy. Um, and by some sort of divine intervention, I got a chance to transition to the compliance world. Uh, so it's just right at the same, right at the time where uh, there were new regulations in banking um, because of terrorism and money laundering issues. And so they were hiring junior attorneys. Perfect pivot to that. I can mix my business and law mm-hmm. um, background. 
And so uh, I was doing that for a number of years. And during that time, if everyone remembers, the market crash in 2008. And so I'm, you know, interacting with uh, friends and acquaintances who are either getting laid off or having to supplement their income because someone in their family was laid off. Um, and so they're starting businesses and people are really, you know, they've had it with corporations. They wanted to strike out on their own. And so you see this rise in entrepreneurship, but like you mentioned, they're creating courses or creating something and know they need to do something to protect themselves, but not really sure. So in my free time, that's kind of how I started, was just helping and counseling people and understanding, okay, what is intellectual property? What type of property rights do I actually need? Uh, how do I go about doing this? How does this, you know, how much does this all cost? Right. Uh, and so I was doing that kind of pro bono while I was working. Um, and then eventually, <laughs> it, through various circumstances, I worked into. <laughs> yeah, morphed into. You know, I finally woke up and thought, "Hey, why do I start my own practice?" It took me a while to <clears throat> get my brain wrapped around that because I, you know, didn't want to practice in a traditional way. Mm. Uh, but once I figured it out, I started my own. Started taking the steps to preparing myself to start my own practice. So that's awesome. I think that um, that is great information for the people listening because we all start off with this grandiose idea about what our life is going to be like after college and we think that you know exactly what we have in mind will happen the day we graduate from college (laughs) and we're going to step into this fabulous job that we had envisioned for ourselves as young kids before college and it just rarely works out that way I don't know my husband is probably the only person I know that got a degree in what he wanted to do and has been doing it like from day one. I just think that he's probably one of the only people. And so it's great to hear from someone like yourself on the show that you, they are, people aren't alone. It happens to everybody, but the way you use the passion you have for one thing to sort of get your foot in the door, but then ultimately find your way to doing the helping um, and supporting that you wanted to do on the onset of you going to college. So I think that is, that is, um, that's amazing. So what, w- what would you say would be the defining moment in your life? I like to kind of go back because I think when you're talking about personal branding, which is what the podcast is about and personal style, how you got there. Um, I like to kind of go back and help people see that the person that I'm interviewing didn't wake up like the day she decided to go to college and say, this is what I want to do. Nine times out of 10, there is some sort of a, a trigger that happened or something in the past that interested you in that field of so, of sorts. And so what would you say would be a defining moment in your life that triggered this, this idea of uh, being a lawyer and ultimately being one that is helpful and getting into entrepreneurship? Oh, what made me want to go to law school or become a lawyer? Um, I can't pinpoint one defining moment, but I know I always, uh, I loved history. Uh, I love just studying and, it, you know, 
as you, if you're a reader of history, you understand how lawyers at different intervals, I mean, of course they get a bad rap, but <laughs> <laughs> some of my heroes uh, are, are lawyers uh, and they uh, are impactful. Um, and so they use their skill to uh, either advocate for people in some sort of way. Um, and usually that's typically, I guess, how I came to it was in the civil rights um, <laughs> space and so while I didn't do that because I you know I do love business uh, I found that I love business as I you know gotten older and mature right right um there's that just that idea that I could use the law to help people so that's whether it's civil rights or you're a family law attorney or um in my case you know entrepreneurs and small businesses they're an underserved community, but I fundamentally believe those small business owners are really critical for our communities. Uh, and so that's how I'm helping. You just, I mean, really, honestly, you hit the nail on the head for the reason I asked that question, because I think a lot of people think that the idea of walking their passion and following their purpose journey I think a lot of people think it's supposed to be this light bulb that happens and it says, oh, I meant to be a lawyer, but in what you just described, you didn't describe being a lawyer, you described advocacy and wanting to help someone. And the tool you're using to do that is the law. And I think that's where we sometimes get it wrong. Um, I say this a lot on my show when I'm talking about my own personal journey. It wasn't that I started out thinking I wanted to do personal branding. It was a desire to make people look and feel attractive to the people or the business or the whatever it was they were trying to attract. And my tool to do that is marketing in the personal branding space. And so um, it, I think a lot of small businesses, um, you probably have run into this, um, just are so confused about what it is they're supposed to be doing, but they know exactly what they want to do, but they don't know Sometimes that the tool that they use to do that thing doesn't have to be someone else's idea of, of that thing, right? Like I completely agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, it, and it's um, you know, I had my own, I guess, journey of figuring that out. Mm -hmm. you know, how do I use what I'm good at, uh, the skills I've developed, you know, through the course of my career to actually, you know, do what it is I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know say someone who's meant to be a teacher that doesn't necessarily mean in a classroom that comes exactly. in various ways exactly. um, you help people with their personal brand that can look so many different ways so many different ways um, but you're putting your unique spin and how you're delivering that information actually serving people is what your business is. And I think that's what makes us unique in our own right. And that's why we shouldn't feel like we have to compare ourselves to other people because it's our perspective on that thing that we want to do. And it's our own personal passion. And who can compete with that? Who can compete with my perspective on marketing? Nobody, because it's mine. Who can compete with the passion I have for wanting to serve and help people? No one, because it's my passion. And I think we get so hung up on doing it the way we think other people think we should do it or taking the path that other people think we should take. Perfect example, case in point, when I was in high school, I loved math. I loved the 
I love the idea that one plus one is always going to be two. It's not going to change. You can depend on it for the rest of your life. And if you can figure out those equations, that's another thing too. But I tell my own, I tell my kids that math is about um, logic and how do you think through a problem, right? So don't say I hate calculus because it doesn't make sense. It does. It, it's about putting one thing before the other to get to the right answer. But my parents always thought I should be an engineer because I love math. That was the path they wanted me to take. I tried it and it was not my path. <laughs> it was not what I wanted to do. And then when I discovered marketing and like all that that entailed and I realized that I was really good at it and I had a good, you know, I really loved the way I felt when I was working in my classes and like dealing with projects and things of that nature. I think I felt like I had found my calling. But again, it took me years to, years after college to, to determine how I would use that passion and what, what, you know, what, avenue what vehicle i would use to, to show that to the world but um it doesn't always come the way people think it should and you've got to find your own path i love that you did that so tell us um who inspires you to really move forward in this uh journey to be an advocate for small businesses you mentioned the civil rights movement yeah small business owners actually entrepreneurs um they inspire me. So as, when I was, you know, I mentioned how I was kind of doing this while working, just kind of helping people who, you know, would ask for help. You know, as soon as anyone finds out you're an attorney, <laughs> they, you know, and so getting to know and getting around creative people such as yourself, and they're telling me about their ideas. I'm like, man, that's brilliant. You know, mm. there's a lot of people that are just, you know, the best kept secrets walking around. They have these, you know, talents. They have these great ideas. You know, it could be an idea for a service or a product, whatever it is. And so getting around them and just naturally helping them, like, yeah, I can explain this to you. That really inspired me. They inspired me. I can imagine that you would not only be a great advocate, but an amazing supporter too, because you see so much. And I think that if, let's say, you know, which I will probably be coming to you very soon, <laughs> but you know, if someone comes to you with a course they create or um, a book they wrote or something that is intellectual property that they thought they kind of conjured up in their mind to, to work out a problem or solve a, solve a problem, the fact that you are an attorney that deals with this on a regular basis, if you were to look at that and say to me or to anyone else, wow, this is great. This, you definitely need to make sure that you secure this. That would be such a huge boost for me, you know, knowing that you see this on a regular basis and you know good stuff. Like, you know, like, <laughs> baby, you need to go back and work on that. Like somebody else did that last week or, you know, but to know, right, that, right. to know that you've already seen it and, have some idea of whether or not it will fly if it's worth the time and energy to move forward that would be very motivating for the per for the client that you're working with i would imagine do you get that do you get people like going oh flashy I like that yeah you know and i definitely and it is validating to me because i you know when i put together my firm and how i want to do it how i really want to move my firm forward i'm thinking you know i want to be a trusted advisor to my clients, you know, think of me as the member of your team. You know, you're not a, a big shop that has this huge legal department, but I'm, you know, your outside legal counsel. And right. so I, 
I'm naturally gifted in that kind of that behind the scenes supportive person to really help you see the whole picture and um, the things that small business owners, you know, you're focused on what you're good at, which exactly. is what you're supposed to do. And so I'm just there to, hey, let's also be concerned about this. Right, right. You know, that kind of thing. I, you mentioned something just now that I want to kind of dig into a little bit because I, I think that it really plays with personal branding is people that don't, they don't, I don't think it's, it's understood the, the depth in which personal branding goes for a business, but you just mentioned it. You said that you wanted your firm to have basically a certain culture. You want people to recognize it in a certain way. And I believe that that stems from the owner of the business, the person that has created the, the, the organization to begin with. And they are responsible and tasked with creating policies and procedures and a culture that is indicative of what they want it to be. And I think what you just said, it plays to the same point that you really need to understand who you are and what, what you value and what you want your business to be known for and to value. That really comes from you. Talk to us a little bit about that process for you. I know that wasn't one of the questions, but I just love that you brought that up because it's such a huge personal branding point that's so, it's, it's not a typical marketing thing, but I feel like marketing is about building a relationship with the person you're trying to do business with. And you have to, develop those policies and procedures that are underlined in your business that people recognize and respect. So tell me a little bit about how you came to that on your own. It definitely was a process. Um, a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of prayer, you know, reading of different um, texts about, you know, personal development. I really mm -hmm. love those type of books. Um, and, and really just understanding, you know, what am I good at? You know, it could be also asking you know friends and family and really listening to how they describe their experience with you yes um and just really understanding your strengths and i think sometimes we can kind of you know especially for women i'll say not really understand our strengths so we could see it in other mm -hmm. other people like oh yeah i can see it in andrea if i'm around her long enough Mm -hmm. but we can't do the same for ourselves. So it's sitting with that, doing the work, you know, asking people you trust and just paying attention to the type of feedback that you have. Um, so I know I'm a behind the scenes type of person. I'm pretty organized, pretty diligent. Um, and so one of the things I, you know, type of feedback I get is very personable, reliable, um, which is, you know, it's not the sexy part of business, but it's necessary. And so, necessary for sure. Yeah, and I can turn that to, listen, you be your best you in your business, and I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so that's how I'm kind of marketing or branding or what I hope everyone uh, understands when they work with me and my firm. Yes. This is and if you're going to get someone that is actually like what's the best for them i love that and i love the process you took because you know you do have to be introspective and determine like what is it that you like what is it that you're good at and then also what is it that you don't like and what aren't you good at because those are the things that you know i'm not gonna really try to promote and say i do well because you're not gonna be confident about doing it but i like that you're telling us that we have to really 
think long and hard about what is it that what is that we like to do? What are we good at? What are our strengths? But then also asking people, what do you think I'm good at? Like, what is it about me that you like? And what have you found um, to be the best, one of my best qualities? And that also will help you shape. I love that so much. I'm so glad that you said that. I love that you brought that up because I don't often get to talk about that piece. I think people think marketing is the sexy, you know, what colors are you using? What's your logo look like? You know, what's your so tagline? Much more than that. And it's so, so much, much more than that. I mean, just, I mean, that my whole thing about being the brand is you are a walking, talking billboard from the time you wake up to the time you lay your head down for your business, period, dot. It's about authenticity. It's about being organic. Um, it's about being you. And you got to kind of know who that is in order to develop the policies and procedures to build a culture for your business, you know, in order to have the relationship with the customer. You Because you just got to know that. So I'm so glad you brought that up. So I know for myself that I have this creative personality and sometimes it's difficult to take a more type A, you know, personality mm-hmm. task on, but what do you recommend to someone like me? Cause I know for the law, you kind of have to be like A, B, C, you know? So what would you recommend to someone like me to stay structured and organized um, in my business? If I'm trying to, like I said, create a course, how can we do that? So one of the things that I, (laughs) especially being in the law and compliance, I am used to having to deal with deadlines Mm -hmm. all the time. And you miss the deadlines, you are, you know, it's not just, oh, this didn't happen, I get an extension. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's real problems. Uh, And so... I just developed my muscle for being on time with things. One of the things I love uh, now that I'm out on my own and can structure uh, my day and how I work is um, time blocking. Yes. With my weekly schedule. I love that. Really, I, that yeah, mm-hmm. I really, that keeps me, you know, uh, one thing that it, my prior life was constantly answering emails or instant messages like there was always someone with a question or you know and I had to be responsive to but now in my own firm you know I set up times when I'm going to be checking my emails yes throughout the day um and and, you know unless I'm you know absolutely like I knew we were going to speak today so I'm you know have my email open so for your email but um other, you know, keep that so that's not a constant distraction. Um, and these are all kind of things that we already know, but blocking off times for tasks that you may not like. <laughs> you know, just yeah. make it an hour, you know, if your thing isn't, um, you know, maybe you have to do payroll or some of that kind of administrative task, mm-hmm. you know, it's the one hour, you know, maybe the middle of the day after you check your email. Right, like after lunch while you're sitting yeah. there like rubbing your belly. <laughs> right, set a timer and just knock it out and do it. Um, I also, for me, I'm better in the morning. So I like to start my most important or the tasks that require most of my brain energy, mm-hmm. which is actually the client work. I like to do that in the morning. So I always schedule that time in the morning I don't really schedule calls in the morning uh, unless it's critical. But so those kind of tactics, I think. And and just um, one last thing I would say is to 
you know, as we do our to-do list, <laughs> and I used to be guilty of this, of this long, lengthy to-do list that I want to get through mm-hmm. a week. <laughs> and you have to give yourself some grace. I mean, yes. the chances of you tackling 20 different important tasks. Slim to none. Yeah, it's not going to happen unless you just are planning on working all through the night and you have no life. Exactly. Um, so break it down. You know, look, okay, this is due July 31st. Okay, let me space it out the next couple of weeks and give myself several days to, you know, of a buffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and only do a few things every week. Yeah. Yeah. You, you make a great point, and I think, and, and I love how everything you're saying is going back to personal branding, because in order for you to do that calendar blocking, first of all, I mean, you can do it, right? But in order for you to do it right, you really have to know what you're good at. You know that you're not good in the morning. Like, okay, I don't, um, I like to get, um, my best time to like really get work done is in the morning, not talking to people. That's not what I want to do first thing. So you knew that about yourself. So when yeah. you created your calendar blocking, you did it in a way that played to those strengths. Yes. Again, why you need to really know yourself and understand your value and how you operate, your strengths and what you not what you don't do well. Um, and I love that uh, the whole list thing. I do that too. And you're right. I uh, people laugh at me because I use my Google Calendar, but then I also have a Happy Planner that I love. I love love my happy planner but my happy planner is what I do to and I use Asana have you ever heard of Asana for project management so I use Asana for the project management so I have my calendar of what's due when but then on my happy planner I put I list on that day because I have my blocks of what I need to do but I have my list of what needs to be done in each block so it's like when that time is over, I moved from that little section on my happy planner. I've checked out as much, checked off as much as I could for that particular time period. And then I moved to the next thing and it's time to start checking off stuff in that time period. And so that way I'm not looking at, like you said, a 20, 20 list, 20 item list that is all random and nothing goes together and I'm not going to get anything done. So you have to play to your strength, but you have to know what your strengths are to begin with. So now let's talk about um, some intellectual intellectual property, because that's why I have you on here. And I really want to get people into this. So first of all, tell us, what is it? What does it mean? Uh, what is intellectual property? So, it, you know, a basic definition of it is that it refers to the creations of the mind. Okay. So it, it's your inventions, it's your literary and artistic works, it's the designs, it's your logos, your brand names, um, images that you've created. It's anything that you've created and then you're using in business okay. or in commerce. Um, <clears throat> and beyond that, it's a business asset. That's what I really need people to understand that all of these different things that you're creating um, or you're cultivating from your book, your course, um, it could be your recipe, uh, a formula, how you do things, um, even your contacts, business contacts, can be intellectual property and it's a business asset. 
Nice. Um, and so there are different types of, so that's the umbrella. Right. And, and under that you have, you know, your patents, your trademarks, your copyrights, your trade secrets. Um, and so you may you need a mix of those things as you're talking about each thing that you're creating. It all depends. So if you're starting a business, um, so for me, one of the things that I've struggled with is my perception, my thought process around personal branding and what all it involves and the depth that it goes. And so the content that I've created is, I know that it's intellectual property because it came from my mind and I thought it up and it was the way I saw it and kind of wrapped it around um, and made it sort of a thing. And, um, but if someone is, is starting out, what types of things um, I know you just mentioned logos, things of that nature. Those are sort of some of the more obvious ones. But what if you're a blogger? What if you're uh, like, I'm creating courses? What if you wrote a book? How hard is it to, to get this, this thing sort of solidified as your own? So one thing, um, and to your point, how you mentioned, you know, you had the idea, and then you did, you put it into something, I think. So that's very critical is that um, intellectual property rights, you know, whether it's a trademark or copyright or whatever, doesn't protect an idea. It does protect uh, the thing that you create. So once you get it on paper, let's right. say, um, or record it, or however you put it in some sort of medium that you can share it with someone else. Um, People believe that if they thought it first, that it's theirs. And right. what you're saying is, no, that's not true. If you thought it first, you better write it down and get it, you know, legally yours. Or else if you tell someone and yours wasn't written down and they do it and they get theirs, you know, made into, you know, their own intellectual property and make it legal, then you have no claim on it anymore. So. Right. And it's, it's, so just to pick up from that, it's, yeah, you, if it's yours and you're committed to it, before you start sharing, putting it out there, you know, everyone's online now, everything is digital, um, do something with it. Get that idea down, write out the courses, you know, actually do it, not just mm -hmm. outline, like do it. Um, put it together, um, put it on your website, your landing page, uh, write out the details of what each uh, module in the course is going to be mm -hmm. um your book start writing you got an idea for a fabulous book start writing the book um because that's the thing that you can actually protect and to the best of your ability you should protect those things so a couple of things that we just talked about would be protected by copyright initially um you want to protect those things that you create before you start to share it. Yes. Now with the copyright, with the copyright, I was at a blogger conference and there was a lawyer there and she was talking about the little C with the yes. circle around it. And I thought that there was something she said, and you correct me because I'm probably wrong, but I thought she said there was something that wasn't a, a you could put this like copyright C or something on it. Mm -hmm 
without having to go through a bunch of like legal rigmarole and it'll protect you to a certain extent. But tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, you're right. Um, so in the United States, um, you earn a copyright for whoever created the thing, say your, your written work or some sort of project and you put the whole all rights reserved, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at the bottom with the C, um, you earn that copyright as soon as you do it. So you put it into a tangible medium. Okay. Uh, so it's yours. And so, yeah, feel free to, once you have it, share it, take it with you. And you're putting on a workshop in your, your community or you're doing a webinar or whatever it is. You have this copyright, it's yours. Um, when you are, and let me see how I would say this, is that you probably wouldn't want to get into the habit or need to federally register every presentation that you create mm-hmm. or every blog article that you write. Right. But for something like a course, or your book, or maybe you've written certain articles that now you know you want to assemble into a book Mm -hmm. um, for sale. Those things, the things that are really um, important to you, important to your business that you are going to sell, it is a good idea to register with the copyright office. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a fairly, it's an easier process than it is to obtain a trademark or a patent. Um, and so what the federal registration really gives you just a stronger claim to your work. Gotcha. gotcha. Just in case something happens. Just in case. Right. I understand. So tell me, um, what is the difference in, well, I know that it's an obvious difference, but how would you explain someone wanting to be an LLC for their business? Like what would be the benefits of that versus just you know doing the copyright or like i mean you know there are some i guess it depends on the the type of business it is but i hear a lot of talk about you know i'm gonna get my llc i'm gonna get my llc and i was like some of the people that i hear saying this i'm like i don't know if you make enough money to warrant the expense of an llc but you you tell me what that the benefits of yeah i think um and i kind of hear that to uh, sometimes this idea of like, oh yeah, just go to your state and get an LLC. And it is a fairly, at least that first step is an easy process. Mm-hmm. I think the best time to get an LLC is when you are absolutely committed to your business. Okay. Like you're absolutely like it's, you've gone beyond like, hmm, I think I kind of want to do this. Like, right. Try like you've, you thought about it, you're trying it, you're getting, you know, some sales, right. uh, good feedback, and you're thinking, you know what, I really want to try to make a go of this. Right. Then it's a, a good time to, to get an LLC. And an LLC really is a nice option for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Right. Um, there, you know, the, the laws vary by state. The fees, if you're to do it yourself, if you're just going to, it also varies by state. And it's relatively easy and inexpensive compared right. to, you know, if a you're starting a corporation. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, and so that's one of the advantages is that it's, it's pretty easy and inexpensive to create. Mm-hmm. Um, another advantage, and this is when if you are really committed to moving forward to uh, this business and, and operating a business is risky. Mm-hmm. LLCs protect your personal assets. You know, if your business is ever sued or fails because, hey, it happens, um, it, it will protect your personal assets. So it, if it's set up correctly. Right. And I'll go back to that because that's another kind of misconception. But so, for example, you have your business. It's uh, formed under an LLC. Um, And if it fails, your creditors, your business creditors can't go after your retirement savings. Right. Or your home. uh, Unless you, you know, assuming that you haven't added a personal guarantee (laughs) to the forming of your business and security debts. But assuming you didn't do that, it will, you know, it's separate. It's separate from you. Right. Um, But that also, that only works if the LLC is created and maintained properly. Gotcha. So you need a lawyer is what you're saying. Guys, get a lawyer to do your own. <laughs> yeah, you need to go through legal zoom and do it by yourself. <laughs> right. If you're if you're not gonna learn how to uh, you know, if you're not gonna do all the things that you need to do, like set up the right, you know, operating agreements and right, right. setting up your separate bank accounts. Uh, the things that you need to do, if you're not going to do that right and keep the right records, then that right. is like pointless. If um, you're not going to do that, then call Melanie, please. Yeah, call, call me and I'll help you out. <laughs> yeah. Don't try to do that on your own. That would right. be ridiculous. Um, uh, another advantage um, are the, you know, for taxes. Mm-hmm. So you have some flexibility in how you're taxed. Now, but doesn't know, that mean you have to be making money, though? That's that's what is so fascinating to me about some of the people who, you know, want to do LLCs. It's like, um, you're not making any money. Like there's, I feel like to go through the expense, you, like you said, you have to have established a business, you know, and I would think making, um, you know, consistent money, you know, that this business is going, is a viable option for you. It's not something that, you know, you're going to try for a little bit, make two or three dollars. And then when it slows down, or you don't have a plan for it to grow or anything like yeah. that. It doesn't, to me, make sense to spend the money on an LLC, because with that comes when you become a corporation of any type. Government taxes, you know, you've got you're going to be taxed. You're going to be the government's going to look at you like a true you know, entity, and not that they don't, you know, if you're a solopreneur, um, a solopreneur, but what I mean is just like, when you put that LLC on the back of your business name, it's kind of putting like shedding a light on you as a, like a business, business entity. And the government is going to look at you for, you have certain responsibilities at that point that you wouldn't have as a solopreneur. And if you're not making consistent money, if you're not really building a business and it's like really a viable one, to me, it's such a, a an added pressure. What do you think? I mean, tell me. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know. No. Well, I think I, I agree with you to the extent that um, you have to be making, starting to make money mm-hmm. and, and really have a plan. So if you have a, you made a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. not a ton, but you've made a little bit. And you, you know what? I think I can really push this. 
Right. I really work this plan. It's worthwhile to form a business. So the intentionality has to be there. Like you can't just make your first two dollars and think, oh, now I need to have a plan. Right. If you think oh, you're gonna don't just have a plan to make your next two, that's not gonna make sense. No. Yeah. And if you think you're just gonna, I'm just gonna do a little bit now, right. do a little bit later. You know, it's it, as an example. Say, you know, if I make apple pies, and I only do it in the fall and winter, you know, around the right, holidays. Right, around the holidays. Uh, you know, and I'm just kind of friends or, you know, maybe church or community and they know I do it and I sell it, you know, and if I only want to do it seasonally, maybe I don't need it. Right. But if I'm thinking, no, hey, people love this. I, I want to be the next pad in the bell with my pie. Right, with my little mini pies or big pies in stores. Then, yeah, I got to work this plan. I'm going to form my business. Um, there are tax advantages and that I always, I always defer to an accountant. Mm -hmm. So then they can kind of tell you, you know, on one hand, if you're an LLC uh, and you're not making a ton of money just yet, you know, it can just, you can be taxed as a sole proprietorship. Right. Uh, but when you start to make money uh, and you want to get, take advantage of those tax advantages, um, they can shift you and tell you when's the best time to apply for an S-Corp status and mm. all of that. But that's not my area of expertise, but um, it is an advantage of having a, a separate entity. So, um, I'm sorry, moving on, I want to ask you about some challenges that you see on a regular basis um, as as an as a lawyer and helping people with their intellectual property, what what are some of the challenges that you see mostly from your clients? Like, where do they need to step up? Like, where can we? You're listening to this podcast. What can you tell people to help? I think the overarching kind of legal issue for small businesses, the biggest challenge, mm -hmm. is operating from a reactive place instead of being proactive. So true. Um, and so how does that show up? That is, you have a business, you've been operating for year one, doing okay, year two, even better, year three, and you still have no business structure in place. <laughs> like you're still just- I know, know some people like that. Yeah, you're still a sole proprietor. It's fine, but you're really missing out in some ways you're leaving money on the table. Uh, maybe you don't look as credible as you could be um, because you don't have a, a formal structure in place. Um, and then businesses, entrepreneurs tend to only do that when it's, oh, I want to apply for this or I want to get this opportunity. And oh, it's reactive. Yeah, it's reactive. When as you're moving along and if you have someone to help you or just, you know, a Maybe even it's a business mastermind or somebody that like, you know, maybe now is a good time for you to formalize this. Um, another issue I see, and it's the same thing, this reactive is their contracts, uh, not using them, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. simply not using them, not understanding their obligations. You know, as an example, I, so part of a, a networking community in, in New Jersey where I live. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of got a call because someone else gave me a call. 
and networked and it's a business owner. She is a uh, makeup artist and she has a salon and she got a, you know, a, she had an issue. Someone had went to the labor board and said, oh, she didn't pay me. Uh -oh. Trying to help out that she had hired to work in the salon. And thankfully it all went well. Like I kind of walked her through, this is what you need to do when you go to uh, address this. You know, you definitely want to appear because otherwise it's a default. You look guilty already. Right. <laughs> um, but all of this could have been avoided or she could have, you know, alleviated herself of the headache and not, I mean, she was panicking, obviously. This is your business and you're thinking you're going to have to spend money. This person mm -hmm. is not telling the right thing. And there wasn't any formal agreement. contract agreement. And it doesn't have to be, I always say, you know, contracts don't have to be 40 pages long. But they should just outline what each side is agreeing to so that everybody's on the same page. You see this all the time, whether it's with it, like in that case, it was an employee or an independent contractor issue. Mm -hmm. um, partners, people go into business, even if it's on a nonprofit or service related and everyone's friends have a partnership agreement exactly. it's very you know something that's very simple but so that everybody's expectation is managed exactly what about um confidentiality agreements how do those work yeah that is and that goes to it could also help you with your intellectual property um so i'm glad you asked that but you know as you're you're sharing what you're creating mm -hmm. or you're bringing on, you know, you have your platform and your business. Mm -hmm. and now you're, you know, I, I need some help. I need someone to come in, help me organize or do the things that I'm not great at so I can focus on what I work. Right, right. Bringing in team members, maybe mm -hmm. they're not even full employees, but you want to think about hiring someone and and they're going to interact with your work, <laughs> confidentiality agreement. I want to put one. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's, it, you know, all of those, and that's the thing, it's determining what contract or agreement you need for the situation. Which is, again, um, why we need you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you're right, and I, and I think that, you know, in this whole conversation, the underlying, you know, theme is really knowing your worth and knowing what it is you need to protect what came from you and um, uh, being able to walk in that confidently is important because people can and will take advantage. Um, I don't like to like generalize and make it seem like it's this, you know, big bad wolf, but it's still out there and we have to protect ourselves. And the first step in protecting ourselves is knowing ourselves and um, what we're worth. And I think that's so great to have you on to talk about this because I don't think, like you said earlier in the show, women, we tend to give, 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 and don't recognize what we have to give, what that value is we're giving. And so we don't protect it. And it's important for us to really think long and hard about that. What is it that we're bringing to the table? What is it that people are asking us for the most? Um, and we're just giving it away for free. I, I always say our passions are those things that we can do with our eyes closed, hands tied behind our backs out of a deep deep sleep and we would do it for free if we weren't trying to make money at it 
And the problem is a lot of us are trying to make money at it, but we're still doing it for free because it's something we love. And on top of that, we're not protecting it. So I'm glad to have you here because what you've been telling us is so important. We've got to protect our stuff, but it's not as hard as it seems. And it's not as expensive as we think it is. It's not so scary that we can't look at it. So tell us what are some to not do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you specialize in intellectual property and entrepreneurial entrepreneurial law. Um, what are some people, or who are some people or industries that you like to work with the most, and how can we, here at PBN Style, share that with people and get them over and knocking on your door? Um, you know, I so far have worked with a diverse um, group of people. You know, I have clients who are coaches. Mm -hmm. types of coaches, business coaches, financial coaches, um, clients who are in the travel planning industry. Mm -hmm. um, so one of my clients, I was actually working on her <laughs> trademark just before the call, um, is a travel, a luxury travel oh. agency. Um, you know, the, the, the you know, my clients are very diverse. Some are in the uh, wellness space, mm. teaching yoga, but they're also adding a writing element to it. So nice. it's a lot of, so far, I'm really working with a lot of uh, women in the uh, service safety mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I'm a new business too, so. Well, you definitely will be, you, you'll be getting a call from Andrea Patrick Consulting shortly <laughs> after this. I, I as the creation of this course is, is moving along. I've got yeah. And I definitely, you know, the way I, people find me or, you know, when they go to my website, I do free consultations. So it's really, hey, let's figure out. Let's talk about it. Right. Yeah, you'll you definitely know, be getting a you, call. If you're not ready now, I'll, I'll tell, I, you know, I'm not in the business of just, you have to be my client right mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, I don't, you know, maybe less exercise and free resources first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when you're ready, um, yeah. That's awesome. Because see, that means no matter where your budget is, you could at least get the initial information needed. Even if it's, you do need this, this is how much it's going to cost. So why don't you start doing this first until you can work your way up to this? And if you and if, if what you're doing is going to jeopardize what you have so far, let's minimize this and take this route until you can get over here and get the protection you need. So it's just a conversation, people. Right. We don't have to like be afraid of this thing. Just got to right. get out there ask, and get her done. Ask, ask your questions, and once you like, I always just how you laid it out. I always feel better when I, you know, ask the questions I need to ask, and someone gives me options. And then I can figure out, okay, now I know what I need to work towards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now I know, or I might be surprised, like, oh, that, that's doable. That's, not, that's doable. That's not, you know, I thought it was. Yeah, this big bad wolf. Right. And, and I think, again, too, that goes back to knowing yourself, being comfortable with yourself to ask the questions you need for your own success. And it's a matter of, like, I, I'm my husband sort of taught me this, but initially I would be like, you know, I can't do it. I don't, I can't, I don't can't. And he would say, no, ask, say, find out what it is it's going to take for you to get this thing done that you want to get done. And then look at what you can do. 
and let them know up front, this is what I can do. And some people, I know I do this because my, I love what I do so much and I want to help people. So even with me, your budget, I'll ask you, what is your budget? People get offended by that question, by the way. I don't know if you've noticed that, but people get offended by what is your budget? And I, I, I ask that question when I sit down to do my consultations. And it's not because I'm trying to like get as much money from you as I can. It's because I'm trying to figure out how I can meet you where you are. And if your budget is nowhere near what I would normally charge for something, then like you, let me give you some free resources up front. Let me give you this little piece of advice that can sort of help you get started. So you can maybe do some stuff on your own until you can get to the point where you can use me. Or sometimes depending on how dire the situation is, I might just go ahead and say, you know what, I'll do this. And then we'll work out this other thing over here. But there's always a mutually beneficial uh, set of circumstances um, if I choose to work with someone. So we shouldn't be afraid to ask the question. We shouldn't be afraid to find out what we need to do and then say what we can do and then work out, you know, whatever happens in the middle. So we're definitely on the same page. I, I was I may not ask it, but I use it in a um, intake form. Mm-hmm. When someone schedules a call just to have an idea. And then after the call, after we talk and we figure out, you know, and I'm able to spot all the issues that you have going on, you know, the next day or two, I send you an email with a proposal of, okay, here are some options. Mm -hmm. Or it might just be on the call, like you said, here, and I'm really good about that in, in cultivating and finding these free resources and trying to point people in the right direction if that's what they need at the time. This is a true example of knowing your value and being able to help people, guys. This is what personal branding is all about and why you should be listening to this call because aside from learning about intellectual property and LLCs and Miss Melanie, Melanie Cunningham, what you're also learning is what it looks like to really run a business with authenticity and, um, and doing it with, with love and a real true desire to help people. It's not always about the money. Granted, neither of us want to leave money on the table, but at the same time, we're in it to help. We're in it to serve. And sometimes that is providing them with some re- free resources that don't even relate to us mm-hmm. so that we can prepare you to come back to us or prepare you in general. But, you know, don't be afraid to ask the questions. Know what you need and know how to communicate that need and communicate what you can do to receive the solution that you need to receive. But all right, lady, I am so thankful that you are on this show, guys. All of Melanie's information is going to be below this podcast. Make sure that you um, look at the website page because all of our uh, notes will be there that we've talked about today. And uh, definitely look into intellectual property and Melanie helping you with your intellectual property because, guys, what we have in our brains and our perceptions and our thoughts are very important and we need to get them out on paper get them in an audio or something and start protecting them. Thanks, Melanie, so much for being on the show. Thank you, Andrea. Don't forget to join Andrea over on our website where all the deliciousness really happens at andreapatrick.com. You can also find her on Facebook at AF Patrick Consult, Twitter at Andrea F. Patrick, LinkedIn at AF Patrick, and Instagram at AF Patrick. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.
Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be The Brand TV. You are in the place to be to find clarity, consistency, and authenticity in the way you develop your brand. That was not right. I got to start over because that was the podcast one. Sorry. Hold on. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Be The Brand TV. You are in the place to be to learn how to live your value, love yourself enough to be yourself, and lead with intention and purpose. On today's show, I have with me Ms. Melanie Cunningham. She is an intellectual property and entrepreneurial lawyer. Um, I'm sure that her title is much better than that, but that's what she does, guys. And she's going to share a little bit of her expertise with us today because I think it's important for us to understand what some of our legal challenges are and how we can overcome them. So stay tuned. Okay. All right, here we go. Let me see. Let me go back to your... Uh, Let me go. I want to go back to your... um, Your... Bio here. Okay. All right, guys, Melanie is with us today, and she's an intellectual property and estate planning practice. She has an intellectual property and estate planning practice, and it focuses on helping small business owners have a peace of mind about the operation of their business today and plan for their future. So I want to welcome you to the show. Ms. Melanie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Andrea. Guys, it's important for us to really know what our... um, what our our rights are in terms of the things that we produce and create for our business. And um, Melanie's here today. She's going to give us a few tips on some of the challenges that are common for small businesses and help us to overcome them with some solutions or some ways to uh, prevent them in the first place. So Melanie, let me ask you, let me go back to what I found it. What are three to five, if you can give us that many, um, common legal issues that most small business owners deal with, first of all, and then in addition to that, how can we overcome them or how can we avoid them? Okay, so <clears throat> let's see, from a legal perspective, and I'm thinking of it in let's see, three main chunks. Okay. Kind of how my brain <laughs> works, three big buckets. Um, but the overall, the overarching uh, issue is being reactive instead of proactive. Uh, and so, but, you know, you're a small business, so usually that means it's only you, or maybe it's limited time and limited resources, but it really helps you to get, you know, your business to either get the help you need, have someone else do it, or set up the systems you need to um, make this a part of your business so that you're at operating from a proactive space. Can you explain that before you go forward? Because I know what you mean by being reactive. We were we just had a great podcast interview, guys, and I'm going to link you over there to that because she sort of talked a little bit more in depth about this. But just for the few minutes we have here on Be The Brand TV, explain the difference between proactive and reactive. So I think typically what a lot of entrepreneurs, what I see they do, they wait until something happens. So wait until someone complains or some employee decides to take them before the labor board in their state and say, you know, Andrew didn't pay me or whoever didn't pay me. Right, right. Um, Instead of when you have an employee or independent contractor, have a system 
when they come on, they have to sign this agreement. We set them up with proper record keeping all along the way, right from the start, so that you're not having to, okay, find all your receipts and show, right. <laughs> pull everything together at the end. Perfect. Um, so that's kind of what I mean. And so when I was thinking about those three big, um, the three big areas that I see that's a problem and where entrepreneurs could actually improve upon is uh, their business structure. So not doing that at the right time. Mm. Sometimes you'll hear people have been in business, or I've heard, they've been in business for two or three years and, and making money. Like they're doing okay. They're making money. Um, you want to get that done maybe not from the beginning but sooner than later once you, you start making money and you're committed to yes I'm, I'm gonna be in business um, because there's some real advantages to having a you know a business formed formally gotcha it could be an LLC for you maybe that's a, a like I'm a professional corporation mm -hmm. it all depends so it's worthwhile figuring out what's the best structure for you and setting that up properly and maintaining it um, so that it actually works to your advantage. Uh, another challenge or issue is the contracts and agreements, mm. which we discussed earlier, but it's, you know, not using them or not reading them and understanding what's their obligation under it. Right. Um, but it's really that not using them piece. And I think to a lot of people, contracts kind of sound like uh, an overwhelming, scary. Yeah, it could sound scary. It could sound uh, litigious. It could sound like, oh, I'm, you know, if I write this down, right, man, then we're going to court. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, the idea is to keep you out of court. Exactly. Um, so put everybody on the same page. We all know what I'm supposed to do, what you're supposed to do. Uh, we know how, how much everyone's getting paid or, or what the, the extent of the work that's being done. Let's just write it down because it's, you know, it's not even um, a case where people are being malicious or willfully trying to take advantage of someone else. It's just as humans, we, we come to things from a different space and we're going to hear different things. Like I'm sure... You know, I'm listening to your podcast, different interviews, and I mean, share with a friend, and they'll have a different takeaway than I have. Right. You know, something spoke to me different. So it's the same thing in business that where good people want to do business together, and it just saves everyone a lot of grief <laughs> if they write it down beforehand and not wait till the end when things fall apart. Um, that's especially true if you're going to business with friends. Oh, gosh. Or family. Or family. Ooh. It does not hurt to write it down. And if anyone is kind of a little hesitant about entering into a contract, that tells you something. That should give you pause. Yeah, that should definitely give you pause. Because um, so it's protection on both sides. It's not just you're protecting you. You're protecting them as well. So if they're kind of like not really saying yeah to it you might want to say you don't want to be protected because yeah, i don't want to be protected right what's the hesitancy around mm -hmm. that um and then the next and probably the most important 
is uh, this intellectual property. So it shows up in a lot of different ways. Either people are not sharing their inventions or their great ideas, whatever it is, because they're scared someone's going to steal, steal it. it. And that's because they haven't taken the steps to protect it. Um, and then there's, you know, the one to, okay, I'm going to protect my intellectual property from, you know, outsiders and competitors, but you also have to maintain it. So it's not enough to just, uh, secure your patents or register your trademarks or your copyrights, but you actually have to police your brand, um, and stay on top of it, you know, manage your, your business assets, because that's the thing. It's going to make you money ultimately, mm-hmm, whether you're mm-hmm. going to sell your business or, you know, you develop such a strong brand and business that other businesses might want to, hey, I'd love for you to do this or I'd exactly. love to use your work. And so you could license this stuff, but mm-hmm. only if you've taken the steps ahead of time to protect your brand. Right. The flip side of that is... Um, also small businesses not protecting their intellectual property from insiders. So from those that are within their company, you have employees, interns, Mm -hmm. you know, your right hand person. And you want to make sure with proper agreements again, that you're protecting your brand, even from others that are working with you, because what happens when they no longer work with you? Exactly. Exactly. Those are three great points. I love it. Guys, you don't need to be reactive. You want to be proactive. You definitely want to make sure you have your contracts in place when you're working with other people, collaborators, partners, especially if it's family and friends. (laughs) And then you also want to make sure that you are protecting your intellectual property. Melanie does a great job with this. She's out of New Jersey, but I feel like she can help you no matter where you are, at least with advice. And, um, you know, a a call won't hurt. So we're going to put her information in the description below. Thank you so much, Melanie, for being on Be The Brand TV. And guys, if you like this video, please make sure to give it a big thumbs up. Share it with your friends and make sure that you leave a comment below. I want to hear from you. What do you need in terms of protection? What are you working on? Do you have a course? Do you have a blog with great content? Share with us sort of where you are and we'll get, we'll get Melanie on it. We'll, we'll give her a call for you. We'll, we'll let her have all that information and she'll reach out to you. Sure. Um, but for now, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for being here with us on Be The Brand TV. And don't forget... You're in the place to live your value, love yourself enough to be yourself so that you can lead with intention and purpose. Thanks again for being on the show, Melanie. Thank you, Andrea.